Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Tina Larson, who is the powerhouse behind the Folson Group. Tina is New York's premier co-op and condo consultant who helps New York City co-op and condo owners increase their property values. She is the author of Living the High Life, How Smart Co-op and Condo Owners Protect Themselves and Their Investment. Tina holds a LEED Green Associate designation and is on a mission to make New York City safer, more sustainable, and more affordable, one building at a time. We have so much to talk about today, Tina, so let's jump right into this and welcome. Thank you so much, Summer. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we delve into your professional background, can you describe your journey thus far in one word? My journey in one word roller coaster roller coaster okay tell us about that ride <laughs> lots of ups and downs <laughs> lots of ups and downs why is that word meaningful to you what does the roller coaster look like for you well i'm not afraid of taking on new challenges and i have <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this roller coaster ride and we're going to find out more. We're going to call out more from Tina and find out what this journey has been all about and what's gotten you to this point. So let's talk about your past and some of the core experiences that influenced where you are today in your life, both personally and professionally. Okay. Thank you so much. So when it comes to my background, as your listeners may have already noticed, I have a Swedish accent because I'm from Sweden. And I picked up my stuff and I moved to New York. <laughs> wow. So a, yeah, so a country girl from the middle of nowhere in Sweden, uh, riding ponies, moved to New York City and lives in Manhattan. Uh, so that was uh, one adventure. <laughs> that's a big one. That's a biggie. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one. And I started working on Wall Street. Uh, I went back to school. I worked on Wall Street. I was a business analyst analyzing multi-billion dollar companies for the sole purpose of investing my clients' money or our clients' money. And I am one of the few Swedes who, instead of going to school for free in Sweden, I moved to New York and I put my entire tuition on my credit cards. <laughs> Ooh, wow. That's another roller coaster. And I was 29 when I went back to school. Took my master's, uh, worked on Wall Street for decades. And then my husband and I, and I met my husband right after I moved here. My husband and I noticed, so we bought a con- co-op. In New York, there are co-ops. In some parts of the world, in Florida, there are condos. And in other places, they're called HOAs. But it's just it's the same type of living. Can you describe in more detail a little bit about that co-op, what a co-op is? Yes. So if you live in an apartment building, no matter what city you live, you can either rent 
or you can own. And if you own your apartment, it can also be a gated community. But if you own in some kind of homeowners association, then that is a business. It's it's an organization, and they go under different laws. But all in all, is that you share the elevators and you share the lobby and the doorman and the many other things. You share those costs and those spaces. So therefore. It is whatever that legal entity is. In New York they, and in Chicago, they, there's a lot of co-ops, but there are also condos. In Florida, there are majority condos, and there are also some HOAs. So they're called different things in different locations, mm-hmm. but they are. It's basically you own in a shared space. Gotcha. Yes. So mine's called an HOA. So I own a home in a shared space. In Berkeley, I lived in a co-op a co-op that was owned by a lot of different, and there were condos owned by a lot of different people. So they called it a co-op. So I get more now, have a better understanding of what you're talking about. And so thank you for describing that. So let's go back to those core experiences that really influenced how you got to where you are today and why this is so meaningful to you. Yes. So what happened was that my husband and I bought a co-op, an apartment in a large building in 2004. And in the beginning, so I had my career, he had his career, and we didn't really pay attention to how it worked. And then in 2010, we got a letter that they were increasing the maintenance, which can be HOA fees or whatever they're called in different organizations. In New York, in a co-op, it's typically called a maintenance So the maintenance fee was increasing again by 5%. And when we looked back at the records, that had happened 10 years in a row. Wow. This was during a non-inflationary period. And for whatever reason that year, we both looked at each other and we're like, this doesn't make sense. So we spoke with some of our neighbors and they felt the same way. Those costs are supposed to be imposed on the owners to share the expenses that have increased. But if there's no inflation, why are all the vendors increasing for their services to the community increasing by 5%? That doesn't even make sense. It's too high. So we all got together and we organized a coup. (laughs) A co-op coup. A co-op coup. Yes. And took over the board. Ooh. Yes, you can only be one share one board member from each apartment, and my husband is more tolerant of uh, people who are acting foolish. So he's on the board. I am not on the board for full disclosure. But the new board asked me if I could find my some savings because of my analytical background. So I did what I know from finance, which is I went out and I get financial statements from other buildings, from other similar size, et cetera, buildings. Mm -hmm. Uh And once I had enough data, I could compare some data and we made some phone calls, eliminated some services and uh, renegotiated some services. And for our own building, the new board was able to save in the first three years. $340,000. Wow. That's incredible. And yet they wanted to raise it 5%. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. So I see where the evolution of your excitement 
and, you know, passion over this is. So let's go on. Let's talk about what a co-op is and your designation as a lead green associate is. I have a lead green associate, which means that I took a certification and I believe in um, all things sustainable. Most things sustainable. Some of them are a little crazy nowadays, but <laughs> most I, I feel that I have more of a common sense opinion on that. Like I do not believe in throwing things out that shouldn't be thrown out. But at the same time, going overboard seems a little overboard. Growing up in Sweden, I have always been big on taking care of the environment. And when I moved to New York in 1994, I couldn't believe my eyes when people were throwing things out on the street, on the sidewalks. You know, I was like, what are these people doing? <laughs> there was no recycling at the time. Yeah. But all of that has been fixed now uh, for the most part, except for the throwing things out. But it's less visible. Right. I think it's less visible. <laughs> I laugh because when you walk down the street of New York, you know, maybe as a New Yorker, it's less visible. But then when I go there, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of trash around here. There's, you know, know. Like, oh my God, people are throwing out a lot. So I'm glad that they have a recycle program now. And there are people like you who actually look at our process and say, these are some of the things that we can do to really support making this environment a better place, doing things for our environment that makes it better and we can support our environment. And how can we do this? You have really taken this niche of looking at co-ops and looking at condos and seeing how people can do better in this arena. So you've written a book, Living the High Life, How Smart Co-op Condo Owners protect themselves and their investments. Tell us more about this book and what this book will offer others. So my book, Living the High Life, has nothing to do with the title really, or sort of has, but not what people often think. So it is really a guidebook to educate and guide co-op and condo and HOA owners on taking a proactive role in their investment to increase its property value. So if you live in a community, it, it's just like the parents are now taking an active role in, in schooling since the pandemic. So if you don't know that you can nominate yourself to the board and the way to make a difference is by getting involved, then this book educates you. It educates you. It guides you not only why you should do it, how to do it. It gives you all the processes, how to get your name, how to get to know your neighbors. A lot of people, they don't want to know their neighbors or they don't know their neighbors. They don't even know how to start getting to know your neighbors. If you live in a neighborhood where it's a little cul-de-sac and everybody's barbecuing on the, in their backyard, then it's often more of a community than it is in a large apartment building in New York City. Mm -hmm. So... It just helps on all levels. And then it's also a guidebook for boards who are existing board members to understand the importance of taking a proactive role. And then it provides them with a lot of guidance and tools of where to find things, where to educate yourself, how to educate yourself, why you should take an active role, why you should prioritize 
projects in the building because in New York City, buildings are old. The systems are old. They are very often failing. I don't know if you heard about there was a parking collapse a couple of weeks ago, a terrible parking collapse. No. That resulted in deaths and and injuries. Uh, so there's and there was a fire a couple of years ago that was devastating. I mean, there's all of these devastations because people are not taking care of and act. They're doing their best now. When it comes to boards, they're volunteers, so they're just owners. They're volunteers. They have a job. They have a ho- they have a hobbies. They don't really have time to do this extra thing, right? So having this guidebook gives them it gives them a very good start of not at least wasting time. I love that. So it gives them a foundation and it also helps support efficiency. So it gives those first steps. And you talk about a parking garage or a part of something collapsing. Well, we heard about that in Florida and that big incident in Florida. That was what planted the seed that I should write the book. Mm-hmm. I went like, this is the absolute worst case scenario of taking a reactive mode, right? Oh, yeah. Not a responsive, but a reactive after the emergent situation occurred. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was really, and my book actually starts with a terrible, terrible collapse. And uh, because I wanted to set a tone of, it can be done this way, and this is what you need to do, but this is what could happen, and you do not want, I mean, nobody wants that to happen. No, absolutely not. And furthermore, to speak to that, a lot of people didn't know how to get involved or didn't realize what was happening in the building. There were so many variables to that, and yet we saw the outcome of what had happened, which was devastating. I mean, just talking about it now just gives me chills and it's just so sad, right? And the loss. And so rather than then, again, like many things, rather than being in a reactive mode, we can be in a responsive mode where we can do proactive things now to really start addressing these variables that can impact you long-term and your quality of life. And I loved how you mentioned also (laughs) about... You know, it could just be a a place to live, a condo, a subdivision or whatever it is, but it also can be a community. Yes. That's something that our HOA really does. I almost think they go overboard, but (laughs) in creating that community and spending our money on lots of parties. And so what I've actually done is taking the initiative, and it's so funny that we're talking today, I've taken the initiative to actually do something that would help with the quality of life in our HOA. And that's by getting bringing entrepreneurs together. So I'm going to be having a meeting very soon. And I put out an announcement and a registration for entrepreneurs that live in this community so we can start supporting each other. Because I see a lot of parties going on, but we have a lot of people where that have been impacted by COVID for the last few years. And I thought, you know what? It's really important that they're not taking this approach and they're not seeing the importance and value of really helping these people support their quality of life in this community. So I'm going to do it. Oh, I love it. That is such a great initiative. It sounds very exciting. How many people live in or how big is how many houses or it's large. There's a few hundred. So yeah, it's quite a few. And so now I've already had at least 20 people signed up for this group and I've just been advertising it for just a a week or so. So 
for me, that's pretty darn good. And again, it's getting out into the community and saying, hey, this is a different approach than just, you know, I, I like the idea of having parties and bringing people together, but I also want to help these people support their quality of life, their entrepreneurship. And so how can I do something a little bit different? That is wonderful. I, uh, I'm, I'm so impressed. That is wonderful. Taking a proactive role is on so many different aspects. A lot of what we do, we don't even get paid for. Right. So we do, we provide them with different policies that they would have in their regular life, or we increase communication, or we encourage them to increase the communication or to have social events with a resident. The more communication you have within the community, the more they know what you're doing. So that eliminates conspiracy theories or talking about each other or making up stories, right? Yeah. And the same, if you know your neighbors, then you're less likely to complain. So if you know the neighbor, so in my case, I'm pointing up because I have an apartment. So if I... If the neighbor upstairs, if I know that person and like that person, if she knocks on, she uses a drill or uses a hammer one day and it doesn't really, I'm friendly with her. I'm not going to complain. But if I don't know her and don't know anything about her, then I'm more likely to call the property manager and say, listen, you need to tell her to shut up. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It really does create more of a community. It supports building relationships. So there's a lot of ways you can do this. And that's why I do really appreciate what you've written here in your book, because it is those steps to creating a community. It is the steps to understanding your co-ops or your HOAs. It is that foundational aspect that a lot of times they don't even know how to get involved. Or a lot of times because we get so busy as homeowners, condo owners, that we're like, oh, okay, we're not going to vote today or, you know, we're not going to go in and they need so many votes. And so it's just nothing, right? But our vote matters. Your vote matters. Yes. People forget about that. Absolutely, Summer. Another thing, though, is that we're thinking outside of the box. So we're looking at all the expenses to reduce the expenses of our clients' buildings, right? Or communities. And that benefits is that there are less risk of increasing their future fees, which increases their property value. But very often, it also creates that there is less complaints. Building becomes more of a community automatically because of our our efforts. We install, we very often work with boards to install amenities for the savings. So in old New York City buildings, in new New York City buildings, they all have a gym and they all have a roof garden. But in old buildings, they have a tar roof and they have no gym and they have a waiting list because there's not enough storage in the basement. And with those savings, we can help them build a gym, which creates community, install more storage, which means more people happy, right? And install a roof garden. I mean, who doesn't like a roof garden in New York City where outdoor space is uh, highly desirable? Absolutely. And it contributes to wellness because a roof garden to be able to go up there and sit and relax amongst the chaos of a city, right? You can go and it increases that wellness. It 
calms you. There's centering, well-being. So there's so much that can really help support the residents in that co-op or that HOA. So this is so important. And what I want to tap back into something you did too, and that is you were able to do the analysis to show where there could be savings. And you actually proved that because of your research. What would you tell co-ops or HOAs who just, they don't have the same expertise? Could they reach out to somebody like you? Who would they reach out to, to do that analysis? Yes, they would reach out to me. Fabulous. So ideally, and what they can do is, so we have a benchmark with hundreds of line items for thousands of buildings. We specialize, although a lot of stuff that we talk about in the book and a lot of our services could be used in an HOA, in a gated community, our, our focus and our specialty is apartment buildings all over the country. So for apartment buildings, we'll compare their financial statements, all their expenses, all their vendors, all their service providers with our benchmark. And then we will find which ones are we believe are too high. There's no guarantee that they are too high. We do believe that they're too high. And then we will bring in vendors. We will bring in services. We will bring in solutions Mm -hmm. and we will implement the entire process for each individual savings or in each individual recommendation until it's completed. And we're not paid. Our fee is based on contingency. So we are paid based on the savings. So if they have zero savings now, and they hire us and we can't find any savings, which has never happened, then their fee, our fee will be nothing. But if they, we find, let's say we find $100,000 in savings, then they'll split the savings with us for the first two years. Year three, they keep it themselves. That's pretty incredible. I love that they can tap into you as a resource and look at your book, buy your book, There's multiple resources there. There's multiple first steps. There's multiple ways that can really improve the functioning and process of these co-ops. So we have covered so much today. Thank you for being here. I have a last question. So as we come to the close of the interview, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Words of wisdom. Be curious. Never stop learning and be open to suggestions. Was that more than one? It's perfect. So thank you, Tina, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you so much, Summer, for having me. Absolutely. You can follow Tina Larson on LinkedIn, on Instagram and YouTube at FolsonGRP and at the FolsonGroup.com. And you can find her book on Amazon. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a Core Women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.